Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 47. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Game of Thrones hype man, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. We had a few comments on SoundCloud last week asking if we started to talk about Game of Thrones spoilers, so people, like, skipped way ahead in the episode. So we're not talking about that today. We're actually recording on Sunday, so I haven't seen the finale yet. So no no Game of Thrones talk this episode. Yeah, we can't spoil shit even if we want to. Although last week you did have to cut like three minutes of spoilers from the cast. Well, I knew that I knew that I was going to do that. So nobody <laughs> nobody has to worry about that. Yeah. So for housekeeping this week, we have uh some new patrons, I think, but also we have the the t shirt that I have still yet to finish, and I apologize. I'm actually gonna do that today. We're recording right now during the daytime, man. Which which makes this uh, kind of a strange cast for me. Because uh, you're gonna be sober. Yeah, dude. I, I'm not a day drinker. Like I feel like the sun is like God's flashlight, dude. It's just like it knows that I'm drinking and it doesn't like it. Everybody just turned the cast off. They're like, Ian, Ian isn't drunk. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, dude. I, it's it's kind of a rainy day. It's like football season. So uh, I feel like this is kind of like a sober october day for me which uh speaking of of uh sober october we have a we have a guest today yeah uh, we do this is this is a hype guest man this is a guest we've been waiting for for a long time all right joining us from the royal palace in gamlestan we have truckus marcus ewald i'm sorry if i pronounced that wrong i should have probably asked you before we started (laughs) that's perfect hello guys Hello. So, so what's going on, man? Do you have sober October in Sweden? Um, not really. I had a beer. I deserved that after a day. Well, more more like more more like an hour of physical work in the garden. Yeah, you definitely deserve a beer after that, man. What kind of what kind of things do you grow in Sweden? Uh, I don't know, grass, trees. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gardening vegetables or something like that. Yeah, we're building a fence. So. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. To keep out the the bears or something? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I honestly know nothing about Sweden, man. I've been I've been around like southern Europe, but I've never been to Scandinavia and I really want to go someday. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's it's a very well, I feel like, like you're not, you're not the best pitchman here. <laughs> You gotta sell it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a kind of s- small and also long country. So in the south yep. of Sweden, where I live, it's it's like European weather, France, Germany. Oh, nice. Something like that. And then in the north, we have not polar bears on the streets, but it's it's a bit cold. <laughs> Are you a hockey fan? I'm uh, not really. I'm not into sports all that much. Oh man, I was gonna start talking about Rangers prospects. Oh, <laughs> we got some. At least I know what it is. a lot of IHF hockey. Yeah. Yeah, you you have a lot more time to talk about prospects now that your team's out of the playoffs, huh? <laughs> Bro, if it's St. Louis versus Boston, it's gonna be the worst Stanley Cup that I can ever possibly imagine. But break out, break out the street sweepers. <laughs> we had a lot of questions for Marcus, man. I feel like. Uh, we had a lot of personal questions too. A lot of in, a lot of listeners are just interested in uh, in in Marcus's history. So, Arm, do we want to start there? Yeah. So, one of the questions that we had on Twitter was just sort of 
talk about your background in magic because you have a lot of people who follow you on Twitter for high tide and miracles information, but people wanted to know a little bit more about you and how you started to play magic and how everything sort of evolved. All right. So from the beginning, it was 1995 and I played a kitchen table magic and me and four friends, we had one color each and it's similar to Legacy where we had Air Elemental, Sengir Vampire, Sarah Angel and Mamuti Jin and then the, the, the last one had green. So it wasn't really putting up any, <laughs> any fight. So <laughs> we played during the summers and... Uh, couple of years later i i tried like a real format with rules and this was like 2002 i think and i had a mono blue foiled out uh, standard deck with 16 counter spells and thieving magpie as my win condition uh, <laughs> and that uh, set the tone for my magic career i think so basically what you're saying is coming from sweden the old school blood pulses through your veins yeah, well, I I sold my cards back then, so. Oh no. Yeah. So. Do you do you have any sort of like uh, Have you ever met those old school guys? Like they're I think they're in Gothenburg. Yeah. Gothenburg, however you say that. I think I, I know most of them actually. It's Sweden's. Oh is, really? It's a very tight magic community. We have these conventions you... three times a year, and I've been attending them for ten or fifteen years now, or something. So. Dude, that's awesome. So you, have you played in like the shadow of the Chalmers Institute or whatever, like Magnus and those guys? Um, I've been there. There's a, another convention at the same time with more like modern and uh, standard legacy players. So I've been... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So after that was done, I uh, swung by and spoke with the, with the, the guys I knew. Dude, I'm pretty, I'm pretty jealous right now, man. That's a, that's a life goal of a lot of old school players here in the U.S. is to make it over there one year. Yeah, I was. I remember this time uh, my friend uh, Martin Lindstrom and Ole Rode, uh, mm-hmm. they played like a semis or something middle of the night, and people around them had cars for like millions, and they were, they were all <laughs> like crammed into this uh, <laughs> what the, like gym gym hall club. or something. Yeah, it was great. But sadly, I don't play. I don't play it myself. Did you ever consider it if you had the cards, like lend to you or whatever? Yeah, if I had the cards, I, I think I can borrow a deck if I really want to. But but you can't play high tide. Is that the problem? Because they don't actually allow fallen empires over there. No, they don't. I think it starts with what is it? Revised? No, not revised. It ends with uh, over there. It ends with the dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, there's no no fallen empires over here. We allow fallen empires in the states, so you can sling some high tide here. And white border too, right? I mean, the the newer yeah, version. Yeah, of cards. We have much more uh, a much more lax like reprint policy. Our reprint policy is as long as it has the original art and original border, it's okay. So like Chronicles, Revised, Fourth Edition. Yeah. Over there, it's like you you gotta. These cards have to have existed by the spring of 1994. All right. So it's like only original printings, you know? Okay. Well, so to continue my story here, I started playing Legacy about 10 years ago. Um, and my first, my first list ever had Jace Beleren in it, I think. It was recently printed in Lorwyn, and I figured that over time this card can generate some value. And 
I put it in my deck and I counterbalance and since I divining top and I think I I four owed or something my my first local tournament and then then it's it's like one hour drive from where I live but I used oh, to wow. I used to go weekly for several years but that was five years ago or something so now I'm like 90% of a Magic Online player. Yeah, it's crazy. Like where we are, within within an hour's drive, there's probably uh, there's probably about ten different game stores that you could go to. I in our Discord, we have a few patrons that that let us know when they're going to play F and M, and some of them have an hour, an hour and a half drive, and that's just like it's crazy to think about. Some of them get stuck in mud because they have to drive on these crazy off roads to get to F and M because. Our, our Discord now is is turned into, like, the Hickscord. It's awesome, man. These are our people. It's like uh, we're talking about mudding. We're talking about tires flying off into prairies in Canada. It, it's turned into a, a pretty wild time, man. It's like it's basically like Old Town Road to video. So so I've been playing Legacy for 10 years and mostly the blue the blue decks. And if you have followed me on Twitter, you, you have seen some of the shenanigans I've put up. Some good and some less good. So yeah, Jace Balaran, you have quite the uh, blue pedigree then. If you were if you were four owing with uh with all blue cards back in Lorwyn, right? Yeah. I actually named named my son Jace in middle name, so I think I'm pot committed to the blue Jace game. Oh shit. That's awesome. Yeah. How how uh how old do you have multiple kids or just one? Uh Elsa, she's four almost, and then Theodore Jace six months by now oh awesome man congrats thanks it's great yeah legacy dads yeah and that's why i don't play as much in real life anymore as well but they sleep when i when i play magic online so that's good yeah i was watching i was watching your challenge stream last week and it was the the silent stream because the kids were sleeping and you had the notepad open, yeah. and it was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I, the first the, the Swiss I actually had with Mike and and uh, and now audio, but yeah, I had to turn it off for the top eight. Yeah, I think I think I started tuning in when you were playing your uh, game two of your top eight match. Okay. And this was yeah, you top forward the challenge last week. Uh, I'm guessing you're not playing this week because you'd have to be playing right at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> but if you if you top four the challenge from Sweden, what time is it when the, the top eight starts? Uh, it's around eleven or something. Oh, that's not as bad as I thought you were going to say because you're you're plus six hours. Yeah, exactly. So it's fine. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that's still pretty late to be playing, man. Yeah, it is, but I I can be flexible at work and. You know, when you when you sit down and you register high tide or any of my other brews, you don't really expect to <laughs> top eight every time. <laughs> so that's fine. Yeah, that's fair, Ben. Although you seem to have a good a good amount of success. We didn't actually give your stream name if you want to give it now. Uh it's twitch.tv uh slash truckis one two three. What is truckis, man? Okay, so that was my previous uh, Magic Online handle and I created it around 2002, and I was working as a summer work as a forklift driver. And in Sweden, a forklift is a truck, unlike in English, where it's a 
something else. So that was just like me always working, driving this forklift. So I just named my account Truckies. And yeah, that, that was that. So about half a year ago, one year ago or something, I could, could almost... I could, couldn't uh, really log on to my account because I had too many comments and, and whatnot. I've been yeah. drafting a lot yeah. and all these lists. and So I just made a new account. and That's why I'm... Well, off. that's awesome. I didn't think that, that actual truck was going to be a part of Truckus. So you'd fit in great on our Discord, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Do they do they have street sweepers in Sweden? Concrete. <laughs> uh, Soupbeel, I think, is... The... No, it's not soupil. It's I don't know. I don't really know what it what it is. Nobody does, man. It, it's it's a figment of Tom's imagination. I'm pretty sure. <sighs> it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how popular our cast was last week, where we basically just talked about how I misunderstood the lyrics to a Nelly song. I can't. <laughs> I can't wait to actually talk about real magic stuff right now. So, the the intro, the the hook, high tide. You're probably the most well-known high tide player i'm sure that there have been where was it the hatfields a while ago are those the brothers who used to play it all the time yeah that i know but i'm not that into the history of the deck i i picked it up around the era when uh, felling longmore had some success on star city games tour and uh, mm-hmm. i played with candelabras and basically the same list uh, and i and i really really liked it but it wasn't as good as top era miracles, so I just played it for fun. And then top was banned, and then I like found bad reasons every now and then to pick it up. And right now, I think it's it's quite good. It's not just like a guilty pleasure of mine. It's it's a pretty good list. Really. So what 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 do you think the sort of markings are for a metagame where you would want to pick up high tide where it's well positioned okay so the bad matchups are the like turbo seroxy delver decks low to the ground because you need a lot of resources and you need a lot of time to go off with the deck uh, but any kind of disruption uh, like discarding counter magic and even uh, like chalices and stuff we can solve we just need a lot of time uh, so Right now, it's, there's a lot of three, four drops, slow decks trying to out mid-range each other, and then and then high tide is just fine. It's a, it's like it's a control deck in disguise more than a combo deck, and people like misevaluate that and play play against it sort of like it's a sneak and show or ant or something where where you just when you you know, when you attack from a certain angle, they they are just dead. But high tide can always like draw more cards and get back into the game. So you hear people talk about ant uh, being a deck that doesn't actually mulligan particularly well because you need like a critical density of spells. Is that one thing that high tide has as an advantage over a deck like that? Well, in theory, yes, but I I never mulligan, so I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect mana and every deck. Every card is like a cantrip to find another card, so... That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, just keep a one-lander, and then they thought this you four turns, and then you kill them turn five. That's usually how it ends. Alright, I'm sold, man. Yeah. Sign me up. And, Actually, on top of this, oh, go ahead. without the Candelabras, the deck is dirt cheap. 
So yeah, that the point I was actually about to make is when I found my collection again in 2012, my old Magic collection. The only deck I could build out of my collection was High Tide because I had Candelabras <laughs> and and Force of Wills and whatever, and you know there weren't any dual lands or anything. Uh, but I never actually did end up playing it. I ended up trading my Candelabras for duels. Yeah, but it's a lot cheaper now, right? Uh, the yeah, I don't really know how cheap the deck is, but it's like the entry level of Magic Online. So you can pick Death and Taxes, Burn, or High Tider. I think those are the or or Ant maybe. Those are oh yeah, those are all very cheap. But I I mean in in real life the the time spirals are the only sort of under the radar cards and that that's expensive. Are those expensive now? Yeah, they're like seventy bucks now. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh Jesus! I thought they were still twenty bucks. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck, man! That whole set, that whole block, or whatever, right? Like Monolith's like a hundred dollars now. Wow. <laughs> Magic it's finance. Out of control. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. What's your What's your MTG finance tip for our listeners, bro? <laughs> Buy cheap and sell when the prices go up. Cheap. Buy cheap. Not not cheap. Yeah. Not not animal. Oh, I'm sorry. But... <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. What, what's the uh, arbitrage trade like? Do you guys have a lot of cards in Sweden? Like uh, a lot of legacy players and legacy cards have ended up there or no? Uh, like I mentioned, we have a very good community. It's it's, it's the same people like, since 15 years ago or something. I don't know how many new players comes into their yeah. formats, but the old ones are all there. So. Yeah, dude. I mean, you still have Olirade playing in those tournaments, right? Yeah, every now and then. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. That was like when I played as a, as a kid, man. I was like reading about him in the Duelist and shit. It's awesome to see like players like that that still play, like Chris Bakula or Olirade or whoever else, you know? Yeah. So we had a listener question about the sort of differences between the reset high tide version. And the version that you you recently had been playing. I literally have zero insight to this question. So I hope you can you can answer this for, for our listener. Sure. So uh, the instant speed version is a is a bit more like a glass cannon. It's very explosive and it can it can win out of nowhere. On the other hand, the cantrips and, and like the setup phase is a lot it's a lot shakier. You have opt instead of brainstorm, and it's instead of brainstorm. Uh, well, sorry, instead of ponder, <laughs> of course you yeah, play brainstorm. Yeah. 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 So the 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 list I played had mission briefing and accumulate knowledge, so you sort of have the late game. So even if you have bad oh, right. bad, yeah. bad cantrips, you you still like draw your deck. But in the setup phase, turn one to five you are a bit weak to pretty much everything because the cantrips are so bad. And once you go off, you never know uh, where you end up. In, in uh, time spiral versions, you just you, you look at your hand and you need a high tide and a time spiral, and the rest can be whatever. Uh, and then you know that you can sort of keep on going. But with solidarity, you play a high tide, a reset, and then a meditate, and then you just hope that the four cards you draw will be uh, like... The perfect mix of more mana and more card draw, and if it's more too much card draw and not enough mana, and vice versa, you just just fizzle. So, 
Yeah, we should probably take this back to the basics for any listeners because there's not a lot of players playing high tide in the U.S. right now. Like, if you, especially if you just play in paper. Yeah. That so basically, when you say solidarity, you're talking about reset high tide, which yeah. is the instant speed high tide deck that you're talking about, and that deck can go off at instant speed. And generally, you, what you're looking to do, or what you often do, is go off in response to lethal damage. So you wait until the last possible moment, right? until until you you are ready as ready as you can be to go off because as the more the more cards you can have the better because you're using meditate to draw four right as opposed to the other deck which time spirals would draw seven just assume people don't know these cards right yeah and also time spiral net the mana to to continue to go off so yeah exactly so yeah pretty much like that you you go off the last time possible but you you, you can also it, it has some strategic advantages, like if you play around the, that one Leovold and they have it in, in on top of their deck, you can go off in response to Leovold uh, on the stack. Whereas yeah. in, in Time Spiral, you have to like sort of start over and find a find an answer before you can go off again. So, and that's actually a little bit more relevant now yeah. with the new with the new Narset. You were talking about Jay Speller and earlier and i was like man there's a little bit of power creep when you look at what you can get out of a a one and two blue planeswalker nowadays yeah for sure new north is uh i don't know the power level is a bit too high but i I like the design that it's a expendable resource so to speak it's not like once you get adjacent to play and you untap with it you can just continue and and win from there but with north it's a bit it's a bit tricky it's it's still good, but it's not the end-all be-all if you resolve it. Right. Actually, that uh, is kind of a side point, but has anybody played Narset with Jace Bolaren yet? I didn't think about those two cards until right now. Oh. <laughs> I have not. It's not the worst idea, right? Yeah. It's... Well, we saw we saw a list a few weeks ago that had, like, guy was it Gaia Reach Sanitarium? Yeah, yep. And some other, like, symmetric multiple draw abilities. But what I really wanted to know is with people playing Narset, like in their miracles in their Stoneblade lists, is that is that something that High Tide could also pick up? Because I just I, the magical Christmas land scenario of having a Narset in play and then casting Time Spiral just seems amazing. Yeah, so I had in this challenge list, I had two in my sideboard. I was testing it out. Um, but it it could be main. It's uh, it has a very high floor, so to speak. Where if they answer it, you still got a card out of the deal, and if they don't, it can take over the game like a Leovold. Um, the the combo or well the interaction you mentioned it's it's both good and bad because once you resolve time spiral, sometimes you worry about their hand. Uh, <laughs> if they draw a lot of counter spells, if you have Narset and time spiral. They will not get more than one card, so that's good in that way regard. But <laughs> the, if you go for the brain freeze kill in that particular instance, they have six cards more in their deck, so it's it's tougher to to kill them with uh, brain freeze if you have an arsenal in play. And then you oh yeah yeah and then you and you and you can't even kill them with the blue sun it because they cannot right. draw any cards. So. Yeah, I thought about that part. I hadn't thought about the fact that they have a lot more cards in their deck for brain freeze. Yeah, it could be awkward, but more often than not, you have like Storm 50 and 500 mana, so it's okay. 
So when it's in your sideboard, are you bringing it in base base uh, against basically any blue deck or? Yeah, preferably blue decks without creatures. I haven't really figured it out, but it's okay. It's competing with predict for the same slots, and like you mentioned, it's it's uh, it tries to be control up until the point where it goes off. So you need some sort of raw card advantage. Yeah, that's a good point. And even if it's just impulse and soak up four damage or whatever, it's pretty decent, right? Yeah, it's fine. So what about the the other side of the table, right? Your opponent's playing Narset. So earlier on in the cast, you'd mentioned that you thought it was a pretty decent time for High Tide right now. And one thing that, that I've noticed, and I think Tom was just getting at a second ago, was we had a lot of Leovold, right, in, until uh, Deathrite Shaman got banned. And then the Leovold numbers kind of waned, but now you have Narset picking up. So does that make it more difficult for you? And how are you combating it? So yeah, Nar- Narset is, is a pain in the butt for this deck, but uh, it's like contextual. If you put it in Stone Blade list, they have a very slow clock and they can only disrupt for one angle. Most of them uh, are not even playing Ederson Canonist, so it's counter magic versus counter magic. So mm-hmm. in, in that case, if they tap down for a Narset, if I have the answer already, I can punish them and kill them. So... Right. So it's a, it, it's, I'd rather have it be three mana than a two mana counterbalance, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. So yeah, so to, yeah, so to to combat it, once it's in play, I have Cunning Wish for a bounce spell. That that's pretty much it. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is uh, one thing I always noticed about your list is is you leaned on uh, Teferi's Realm a lot, which I thought was great because typically these decks that disrupt keep disrupting from the same axis, right? Like whether it's hate bears or artifacts or whatever. I thought that was a really awesome inclusion in your deck, but you know, Teferi's Realm doesn't hit Planeswalkers, right? Yeah. But I don't think I would have brought it in versus the blue decks. It's mostly stack-based anyways. But I did right. I did one like small adjustment for this challenge with Narset in mind, and that was uh, to play that one-off counter spell main deck. So Okay. So it doesn't seem like a lot, but if I have a lot of ways to find it, I can sort of build up for that big turn uh, where they play their Narset and I can counterspell. And then the problem with this list with Flusterstorms uh, as the main line of defense is that you cannot Flusterstorm a, a Narset, obviously. But if I find that one counterspell or a Force of Will, all my Flusterstorms are like counterspells for the, the Narsets. Because if you fight over the counterspell, I can protect it. So, so that was good. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to go through your recent list? Sure. I wrote an article for epicstorm.com, and maybe we can, can link it in the, in the show notes. And Oh, definitely. This, this list is, is basically the same. I, I cut one predict for a, a counterspell. And then I cut my Hope of Garapur's sideboard for two Narset. And, and that's it, I think. So it's... Uh, you you want to read down the list? or Nice nice bow tie in this picture in your article on the website, by the way. I just I, I want to let you know. Thank you. Everybody needs to read this article just to see this picture. Oh, yeah, bro. You got a nice Dracula thing going on. You got the Widow's Peak with the red bow tie. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. No, four brainstorms, three flusterstorms, four high tides, four ponders, and four preordains, four merchant scrolls, and four predicts. 
three cunning wish, one intuition, three turnabout, four force of will, and four time spiral. Yep. So th- this is before you cut the pre the predict then. Yeah, and, th- and this is the list I've been running ever since the since it's divining top ban. Actually, it's it's the same deck card for card. So I just gotcha. So I just swapped the predict for counter spell. Because it's it's gotta feel like I know you talked about this earlier how you just never never ever have to mulligan. But having such a stable mana base in all of those cantrips just must must be great to know that your game plan develops very similarly no no matter what. Like you get to cantrip to find your answers and develop your mana. I don't know. This deck list is great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but but it's that's one of the strengths as well. So not only do I draw cards and play a place stable deck, but as long as, the longer the game go, the more duds my opponent will draw the swords to plowshares and Know, multiple jaces when they can only when when they can only play one, so sort of have the inevi- inevitability in in every matchup, almost. Yeah, I have kind of a dumb question here, but a lot of times when I was looking at high tide lists, I would notice that there would be a high tide in the board, so you could cunning wish for it, right? Yeah, I don't think most of them play that. Is that is that just not a thing anymore, or is that just like a? Uh, no, I think you all, always side one out to play around surgical extraction. Um, but game one, you just want to be consistent and set, okay. set up the combo. Gotcha. And so the turnabout is is more legitimately in the sideboard because you don't want four of them. It's not like uh, in there for as to be a wish target. Yeah, I, sometimes you wish for it. It's Right. You, you always scroll for a high tide. Uh, because you cannot scroll for time spiral. So in the pre in the setup phase of the game, you you want to uh, you want to find a time spiral and you want to find a high tide. But um, you really you, you prioritize to find the time spiral because you cannot scroll for it. And then once you have those two pieces, the turnabout in your sideboard can uh, let, let you go off a bit uh, more convenient with more mana for cantrips to find more high tides. And you can also sort of act like a counter spell in a way that you can tap tap the lands for your opponent and they cannot uh, counter back when you go off. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, sort of like mana short back yeah. in the super old school days. It also, it makes like, it makes more sense curve-wise to have the turnabout in your sideboard too because the Cunning Wish is on three and the, the turnabout's on four. Just turnabout giving you an extra turn like maybe not tapping mana, but tapping tapping attacking creatures is right. is huge too. Yeah, exactly. So is that is that a play that you find yourself making a lot, like uh, wishing for uh, a turnabout just to to gain an extra turn? It comes up, uh, but not all that often. It's it's a play you have versus the like the the depths deck. Yeah. Just to stay alive if if they have the crop rotation, because you always want to wait one more turn so you decrease your fistle rate if you have more mana in play and so on so for those rare occasions when they do have the thing that punish you um you can turn about them and, and go off right with less mana instead so how much do you think that your experience playing monocolor decks in the 1990s has on you playing uh, <laughs> 12 islands now <laughs> yeah I don't know. It's just I, I love the, the kind of game where you well, it's a false sense of security when you you have this <laughs> game plan and you all of your cards work against the same goal, so to speak. And 
you always do things in response to whatever's happening. Hence my new nickname. That's my kind of magic. Um, <laughs> that is a great name, by the way. I would like to respond. Yeah, thanks. So I've been playing other decks as well. And like I mentioned earlier, a lot of limited, but this is my... Now when I have time is precious, I just want to play things I enjoy and then also happen to win every now and then. So that's uh, that's good too, especially on Magic Online. See? when yeah. quite expensive to try things out <laughs> so you play a lot of limited have you drafted the new set and uh, so I, I used to play a lot of limited but this stopped like three years ago so no oh gotcha i haven't oh i needed i needed the rundown for the grand prix next week i'm i'm probably going to cut this from the cast so my teammates don't listen but i have played zero of the new <laughs> the new format and i'm playing in a grand prix next weekend uh, yeah, I went yesterday up to Maine, to the complex in Maine for the first time to play in a team sealed with my teammates for next week. Actually, it's uh, MZ Frost and A-Bomb Diggity, if you recognize them from online. Yeah. And they're uh, they're they're good players for sure, but they hadn't uh, played a lot of the set yet either. So it was interesting, man. It was an interesting time. We learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying it, though. And actually, the cube is back up on... Uh, on moto right now but i haven't drafted legacy cube are you much of a cuber uh same thing there i used to be but i i have done all the the crazy things and i i, I think <laughs> i'm on the receiving end of the end of it more often than not so i, I yeah <laughs> i had my fair share of of cubing yeah tom is the reigning uh moto cube trophy champion oh wow i i don't know about that i haven't i i haven't even played one cube this this cycle it's it's unfortunate and i don't think i'm going to be able to either starting tomorrow i'm out with no free time until the middle of august so we'll see what happens bro wait you have your days free though right we have your your baby oh yeah well so so starting after june 18th you're right i'll have my days free but my nights my nights are all in grad school gotcha and and getting stuff ready so actually, I shouldn't complain about it. I have the summer off. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, it, uh, because Marcus probably doesn't know living in Sweden. Summer is the the month or the months that we have where the sun's out for like fourteen hours a day, and it's uh, like ninety degrees. And ninety degrees. What's that in proper units? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll convert from freedom units for you. Is it hot or cold? <laughs> it, it's probably about thirty Celsius. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty hot. <laughs> Swedish standards. <laughs> no polar bears can find food in that temperature. Yeah, that's when they end up on on like uh, commercials to donate to uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez or some shit. Uh... So we had a bunch of listener questions. Uh, probably this is the most. Would you say, Tom, the most listener questions we've ever gotten? Absolutely. And we only put out the call for about 20 minutes. So you've, uh, you've got a lot of people. I think, I think honestly, Feline Longmore did a lot to, uh, to popularize this deck in like our, our, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Country. (laughs) Our country. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's. No, like our welter shang, like our, 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 our sort of cultural, uh, awareness or something. I don't know. A lot of people really love high tide and the meme that is high tide yeah so the first question is actually kind of a legitimate one 
from Nate from uh, Eternal Dirtles, actually. Our boy Nate the Texan. Nate. Uh, he wants to know if you've considered the following cards. Growth Spiral. Uh, the Finale that draws and untaps, which I believe is Finale of Eternity. And the thing that blue, that mills for blue spells, which I believe is Drowned Secrets from uh, one of the recent sets. Yeah, yeah, I have considered them. I've played some of them. The Growth Spiral, uh, I was very happy to see when they spoiled it. Spoiled it. Because uh, the, the b- biggest downside, I think, to the deck is that you cannot go off before turn four, uh, at least my version. So to, to help the goldfish uh, versus burn and the non-interactive decks where you just need to be fast, the spirals would, would help a lot. The growth spirals, I mean. Um, but in the end, I think it's not worth splashing a second color in this deck. Because you have the wishboard, you have the tools to, to, to answer almost anything. And what is like forty percent of the decks in the format plays wasteland, so right, yeah, yeah, that's always the for me for me personally, it's it's always the biggest against splashing a second. Yeah, card. I guess you're cool. You're cool to choke with the card choke, but you're not cool to ghost quarter back to basics or blood moon, which has got to be nice, right? Yeah, <laughs> I had a lance opponent trying to ghost the quarter me out, and every time they did, I just <laughs> respond with a predictor brainstorm, and there's, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and then they finally tried to port me down, and in response to the ports, I played high tides, so they basically did nothing, and, and I won. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome, man. So that's also one of the strengths of the deck. If there's a lot of lands, you can, you can win. Uh, so what about Drowned Secrets? Have you ever considered this card? Uh, no, not really. I'm I'm more in the the camp of not play win conditions. So right. when I win, I just it doesn't really matter how I win because I. So basically, you're saying you can't wish you can't wish for this card. Yeah, I mean you can play turn two and then a second copy turn three and then just you know can't trip off and hope to get there. But uh, but I think the 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 core. Game plan is solid enough. I, I did something similar before. I had four thing in the ice in my sideboard, as a like sort of that same card, but could also block yep. and get rid of hate bears. Oh, that's yeah, actually that, interesting. That seems super interesting. Is like a like a like a game three decision for your opponent. You you know you played against like regular high tide game one. And in and, game two, you, you see it, a thing course. in the ice. How much, how much removal do you bring in? And then you, do you do you take it out after you know your opponent brought in the removal for it? It's an inter- sort of interesting subgame. Yeah, but in the end, I found that the core game plan again just is solid enough because without removal, you sort of don't have enough power to kill them with the thing in the ice. So it's more like a defensive. Well, anyways, and then the fairy's realm, or even devastation tide, which is another techy option. I think it's better than thing in the eyes. What does devastation tide do? So it's a five mana sorcery, blue blue three. Return all non-land permanents to their owner's hand, and then you can miracle it for blue and colorless. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so back to the question. Uh, after that, you have this new finale of blue or something. Prom- uh, sorry, I just found it and I lost it. Finale of Promise, I believe. Yeah. So if you if you compare it to Time Spiral, it's the same type of card, 
for twice the mana, and we still consider it. So that's that's how busted time spiral is. The question is, if you want the fifth, and I don't think you do. Um, there is one um, one upside to it is that is if you play Spellseeker in your list, you can Spellseeker for it. That's the one upside I found. Uh, otherwise, it's just the fifth time spiral, but it's a lot worse. Holy shit, I've Googled Finale of everything, and it's not the blue one. <laughs> what the fuck? I have it right here. It's Revelation. Finale of Revelation, yeah. there we go. These names, man, they, they don't go with the colors that you think they would. Yeah. Finale of Promise is red. Yeah. And Finale of Eternity is black. What the, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, that sounds white. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Finale of, of Revelation. Draw X cards if X is 10 or more. Instead, shuffle your graveyard into your library, draw X cards, untap up to five lands, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Do not represent this with an emblem. Exile, Finale of Revelation. Yep. So, 12 mono time spiral. <laughs> so, yeah, have you, have you considered this card? I'm sorry if I, if I wasn't listening because I was looking up these cards. <laughs> okay, uh, so... I have not considered it for my build, but if you play the Spellseeker version, uh, which is oh. the card that finds a two mana or less instant oh, of sorcery, oh, right. you can dig for it. Oh, damn, that's interesting. So that's something to consider at least, but I think it's still not good enough. And that puts it right into your hand, right? Yeah. So similar question, I guess, to Growth Spiral, where you said that you know, playing green just wasn't worth it. I would, I would think that your answer with Teferi would be the same, right? Yeah. Um, I actually, I was hyped about Teferi, but uh, I never really tried it in High Tide, honestly. I played some show and tell uh, with, the, with the card and Mentor sideboard, and I think I would do the sim- similar thing in High Tide. But again, I don't think it's worth splashing second color, but I think Teferi is a good card, but not for this deck. Gotcha. Okay, well, that segues perfectly into our next question, then. We had a bunch of questions in our Discord uh, revolving around miracles and what's you know the best build right now for your expected metagame. And a lot of those questions were uh, related to Teferi and or Narset and how those relate to whether you're playing Predict or Accumulated Knowledge. And someone had brought up that you'd played a lot of miracles. Uh, you want to talk about your experience with miracles for a minute? Sure. So that's the deck I've played the most, I would say. I picked it up when when Joe Lossett was playing it, I think, or even before that. And I grind a lot of magic online, and I did back then too. So, Bro, so you're a Star City boy, huh? You know about Feline, you know about Joe Lossett. Yeah, just, just from the other side of the pond. I've never been to US play magic, but... No, but you watch uh, you watch Star City then? Yeah, it used to be the... Was it Sunday or Saturday? I can't remember. Yep. Yep, yeah, that's Sunday, awesome. Sunday opens. Yeah, so I watched those, and I played online, and uh, I've been in this like Miracle Cabal chat. We started, was it like six years ago or something? I don't really remember. And we have daily oh, conversations Jesus. about yeah. everything regarding the deck. So I'm not as up-to-date as I used to be, but I still follow, and I still... And I still play it every now and then. So what what would you say, if you had 
to pick a, a miracles deck today and you were playing like a, a big stakes event like you weren't trying to just you know test anything out you wanted the actual best deck yeah what would you be on with regard to these new cards oh to me it's the, the decision is how good is back to basics right now so if it is good with all the corn decks running around i don't think i want to splash red because volcanic island is sort of awkward with back to basic uh, yeah. yeah so you should you can choose either path with the red splash or not and if you have the red splash uh, i think you should play mentor and if you don't i think you can sort of play this prisony style deck with planeswalkers instead and and treats and most like you can afford to play this double white cost of spells in the non-red list right yeah so in that in that build that's interesting so what you're saying if you're not splashing red that you would be foregoing Mentor entirely and maybe playing one Entreat? Because somebody commented on the sort of resurgence of Entreat as well. Uh, so I played a pretty big tournament with good players just before War of the Spark, and I had a blue-white list that I, I really liked. But now I'm not 100% sure, but I think... <laughs> so, so with regard to accumulated knowledge, do you think that that's still good right now? And it's kind of a, a space hog, right? Because you need to play four of them if you're going to play it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So back. Yeah. The, the mentor issue. I think you can play mentor sideboard regardless of what you have main deck. I think it's a very good strong card from attacking from a certain axis that you right. that you don't normally do. Uh, so yeah, predict or AK. I think. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a slot consideration. And if you play a lot of Narset, I think uh, if you have Narset, maybe you don't have enough space for AK, so you play Predict instead. But also Counterbalance is sort of in the same type as well. So Yeah, like card advantage card. Yeah, Counterbalance is, in fact, more, more a card advantage card than a Prism-style card right now, I think, because you... Without top, it's very unreliable as a sort of right. engine like it used to be. So it's it's more um, in in the miracles mirror and versus storm. I really really like counterbalance, uh, but right now game one, it's sort of hard to set up. And even even if you have that brainstorm, your opponent maybe play Narsets and, and four drops and all that, and and you have a very high density of one drops, and that's what you want to counter. So then you maybe even even miss on a counterbalance with a brainstorm. So it's not so reliable right now. So I, I don't I think that if you do want to play AK and the Narset, the Ferris and all that, you can, but you have to put counterbalance in the sideboard instead. And would you would you be cutting all your back to basics too or moving them to the sideboard? Uh, or do you feel like it's too important to have in the main deck? So in the blue white deck I, I want the main and in the in the Jeskai deck I think I haven't tried it enough yet, but if you play, if you play red, maybe from the ashes is something you should consider, especially with Teferi yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never actually like wanted to sleeve up miracles. I played it for a little bit when Top was around, but I watched Anarog stream last night, and I, with all of the planeswalkers, it just it. I think it made me want to play a deck like that over, over Stoneblade, which hasn't hasn't happened in a really long time. Yeah, well, Anorak Stream is great, so it would uh, convince me to play Burn even. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess segue to our next question. MTG Legacy League on Twitter asked us uh, 
Where is Blue White Delver in the meta right now? Is it better than traditional Stoneblade because of Wasteland? Should Wasteland be a four of and Blue White Stoneblade? Uh, I'm not sure if you've had any experience playing Blue White Stoneblade, Marcus, or if this was also just a question for Tom uh, as a Blue White Delver question. Uh, my answer is cut Delver and play something else. So I think Tom is better <laughs> to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, no, I I also agree. I think that there was there was a time before the punishing four color uh strifos list and grixis control was sort of like out of the metagame and having the delvers gave you a little bit better of a combo matchup but now everything is more more mid-range and the the delvers are probably best left in the sideboard like uh like omar did or just cut completely i'm not super high on stoneblade right now which is one of the reasons why the the planeswalker miracles list caught my caught my attention quite a bit yesterday yeah but stoneblade it's all it's always this big part of the meta game regardless of how people if or if not people should play it because it like <laughs> appeals to almost everyone you have a game against everything and you, you play magic so, so to speak so i don't think it's just so much fun yeah <laughs> i mean it could be good as well but people play people play it regardless i don't think when you, when you when you talk about the meta game, I, I don't think Stoneblade is ever good or bad. It's just always there. Yeah, that's that's a fact, man. It's it's never been like a great choice, right? It's always it's always just like something that people play, like uh, because because you have game. Yeah. So Jack Kendall asks: Besides Choke, which card uh, would you, Marcus, enjoy playing the most? Playing against or what? I don't understand the question. He just says playing. I, I, he says playing. I don't know, man. Yeah, so I think Time Spiral is my favorite card because I love drawing cards and I do that when I play Time Spiral. And it's also sort of this, if you play in real life and and you're up against someone and you force them to shuffle their deck, it's, it feels like you're entitled <laughs> with some weird powers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's interesting. Though. I didn't think <laughs> about that aspect of it. So Julian asks, "How does how do how do you, Marcus, feel about Baneslayer Angels and Miracles?" Which I, we we kind of I guess could have could have worked that into the Miracles part of the, of the question. But I imagine you're a big fan, right? Yeah. Well, he's is I think he's joking because <laughs> first time we met was maybe six years ago in the Basar Moxon they used to run with the insane prices. Now is that is that coming back? I heard Twitter talk about maybe it being reorganized. Am I off? I don't know. I hope they they will be back. Uh, I'm sure it will not be the same as before. They had a full beta power nine to the winner of the tournament, and what the fuck? Forty, 40 duels for top eight, I think. Uh, well, one of each duel for top eight, and then yeah, something like a full uh, unlimited power nine to the second place or something. Yeah. Wait, when was this? Uh, it was before the spike, obviously, but I, yeah, yeah. I don't remember exactly. Was it six or seven wow. years ago or something? Uh, anyway, so, so I played him in a side event or something, day two, and he jokingly said, that, wow, this pain slayer, maybe, maybe you should try it. And I was just joking along, and then I played it the next turn and killed him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that's how I that's met awesome. Julian. Julian is great. So is uh, 
you, you guys have what the MKM circuit in in uh in Europe? Yep, we do. I'm not sure if we have the other. We had like top or something. It was called, and then something else I forgot. But now I think we are left with just MKM and Wizards, but that's basically nothing. <laughs> so Bazaar Moxing used to be like a circuit, or was it more like a yearly thing? I'm not really sure. It was oh, okay. twice I, a year. I, I'm something. not sure either. Yeah. Gotcha. And it's just like maybe it's, it's not a thing anymore in Europe. It's uh, it's really unfortunate how... I'm not complaining about the the support of legacy in the in the u.s because we have two grand prix but not seeing a european legacy grand prix was really kind of disappointing yeah well not seeing eternal weekend either right yeah i, I saw that they just announced it in a facebook facebook uh, group chat or something that's sorry we will not have any this year so oh you just found out about that that sucks man yeah we have one. I guess Card Titan is stepping up without Watsy support this year, so I don't know what that means as far as like the painting for the prize and stuff like that. But I guess uh, we're we're still having people probably already know this, but we're still having Eternal Weekend here in the U.S. It's on a uh, Halloween weekend, which uh, you, I don't know if you have Halloween in Sweden, but it's it's basically a day where you dress up in uh, crazy clothes yeah. and eat a bunch of candy. We do. We uh, do. Okay, nice. So yeah, it's it's Halloween weekends in the U.S. and some people were upset about that. I mean, I think it's kind of whatever, right? Because if if they're taking on like a greater uh, financial responsibility to run this tournament because Watsy's not helping them out, then I kind of understand having a holiday weekend more. Right? Yeah. But yeah, that does suck, man. You're losing your your chances to play premier events. So with those uh with those MKM events do they have like like a at least like a big legacy tournament in every one of them oh yeah they do it's it's, it's pretty well run um i attended the ghent one recently and i hope i can go to the paris one later in like november or something but they're 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 nice we have one big vintage tournament one modern and one legacy and it's sort of a series as well so you get points and benefits and all that Nice. So from from being from southern Sweden, I like still I I understand the geography of Europe, but I never understand the travel times. If you wanted to go to one of those, how long of a flight or drive are we talking about for you? Uh, it's like yeah, I, I have one hour to the airport and then one hour in a plane and then one hour to the site to pretty much all of them in, in Central Europe, at least. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of Swedes going yeah, they, to these these things. They always say uh, in in Europe, a uh, hundred miles is a a far distance to travel, and in the U.S., a hundred years is a long amount of time. I I did not get that. <laughs> I it's okay. I don't get that either. I I, fu- also... I fu- I'm pretty sure I fucked that up. <laughs> Are you drinking, anyways? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I honestly I am. I decided to just pour some Jameson in my coffee, but I, I'm not. I'm definitely not drunk. We can't play that now. <laughs> so uh, the next question came from Josh Blingenman. He said, uh, "I'm definitely curious about the list he was trying the other day with Karn and Narset and main deck. Was this high tide or is it something else?" Yeah, it was a joke, but it's. I think I went four one with it. I 
<laughs> so I, if you have this list I we talked about before, I swapped the predict for Narset, which is like sort of the same slot, and then I swapped Cunningwish for Karn, uh, because I found a replacement <laughs> for each one of my Cunningwish targets in artifacts. <laughs> really? Wait, what were they? So instead of Blue Sun Zenith, I had Walking Ballista, and instead of Circle, I had Terminal yep. Script, and Candelabra of Thanos was my turnabout, and... Yeah, Hope of Gearper oh, was my shit. counter spell. And they had a Lattice and a Snaring Bridge, the usual suspects. That's actually pretty sweet, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it's still not as good as Cunning Wish, because Karn is one mana more. And yeah, I, I shouldn't say that it is worse, because Karn is an amazing card. And you, the reason I wanted to try it out was to get an answer main deck to Chalice of the Void. So Karn comes down and you kill a Chalice and then you can go off and you can find a combo oh, nice. piece. So it's sort of nice like that. I thought you were going to say you saw Bara using uh, using Karn as a Stoneforge Mystic and you were inspired to use it as a Cunning Wish. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did that too. I played a like, blue-white humility version with Karn for Batterskull. So, nice. Yeah. So I saved the best question for last. I love this question uh, because I'm I'm generally playing Moto on a tablet uh, because I I have Max mostly. Do you so, really? Wow. Wait, what? I didn't know that because it's already user in user friendly, right? You t- seriously, Tom? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Now you might have told me. My short term oh, okay. memory is awful, so you probably told me. You might have even talked about it on the cast. Yeah, that, I'm usually playing on a tablet, which makes it difficult. With like when I was playing a deck like um, like that most deck, or uh, when I was playing Maverick for a while, if you have something like Mother of Runes where you can never really like F six through a turn, uh, and you you, you know because you you constantly have to be worried about you know what they're going to play, and it's not necessarily relying on the cards in your hand. You can't use a lot of shortcuts, so I do like risk going to time a lot because of that. And so the question from Fiddler is how click-intensive is High Tide uh, for those of us who are not as fast on Moto? Uh, so there is a lot of clicking, and especially if you enjoy it as much as I do, because you can kill them, but you can also draw 20 more cards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of decks like KCI or what have you. Walking Ballista, Food Chain, I think it's the worst card. Uh, the worst kind of combo with regards to mouse uh, uh, clicking. Um, yeah. But it's not as bad. I don't think it's it's something you should consider when against the deck. It's just that you need that extra minute to... It's something that you get used to, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, if you, any of you saw my Swiss from uh, the challenge, I, I actually... <laughs> With three minutes on the clock, I think it was, I put a uh, brain freeze, like 30 copies on the stack. And I was just like paying attention to the chat. And then I press F2. And then I realized I uh, just F2'd through a mind break trap, targeting all my copies. <laughs> oh, no. But, in, but I, I finish, I cast a time spiral, and I blew some sin at them with like a minute to spare. So it, it's... If, as long as you know what you're doing, uh, like the, the the mechanical clicking is not that bad. It's just most people concede when you put the brain freeze on the stack because you're wasting their time as well. Right. Yeah. For sure. And yeah, with with uh, three minutes on the clock in the challenge, I could see making them click it out. You know. But 
that's uh that definitely sucks i, I can see that as being a potential downside if you're if you're playing on like a suboptimal setup because you know you have to use a pc to play magic online or you know have parallels set up or something like that boot camp but uh not everybody has like a like a not everybody's playing on a gaming pc right yeah but so that's interesting. On the other hand, if you in in a real life setting, you can you go off, uh, and you can take as much time as you like because the turn five of extra rounds, as long as you progress the game state, <laughs> you can sit there and get new friends for one hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want to be somebody who cantrips slowly in paper, playing this deck. Like you can't be one of those people that takes a minute and a half on your brainstorm if you want to play high tide. Well, yes and no. I think it's, I mean, if you take one and a half minutes on a brainstorm, you, sh- you need to practice anyway. So it's a good deck to practice to get better. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That is a definitely good point. It does kind of strike me as, as that kind of deck, though, where you, the, the turns are so compressed, right? Like, you, you don't have, like, these 20-turn games playing high tide, right? Or, or do you? And is that just, like, I'm, being, I'm wrong about this? I think you, it, it depends on the matchup. I, I almost, like, decked naturally against Control Mirror because we just okay. sat there and built up our game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, like, it, it can be whatever. It can be whatever you want, and... More often than not, you, you die before it's <laughs> any relevant. Anyway, so. <laughs> All right, so do you have anything else that you want to talk about high tide, or do you want to get into our regular tradition of looking at the best slash worst list in the deck dump? Uh, just play high tide. It's fun, and it's cheap, and that's it. All right, man. So this deck dump, we don't have, obviously, the challenge because it's in progress right now. So we don't have the challenge results to go over this week. So all we have is the deck dump, which I'm sure is making Tom very happy right now. Well, we we get to go through... Yeah. This is Tom's favorite segment. Uh, You're... Okay, so every week (laughs) we see the deck dump and you pull out all of these lists that you're really excited to talk about. (laughs) And in the back of my head when I'm commenting on them, like... We're just never going to see this list again, yeah. and it's not worth the time discussing, but you love it so much, we continue to do it. That's right. So the first list I want to talk about, near and dear to my heart. You know, they say, like, if you want to win a man's heart, you got to, like, bake a lasagna or something. I don't know what the Swedish equivalent of that, that saying is. Maybe it has something to do with, like, strudel or fish, but... Um, Meatballs, I suppose. Yeah, me- there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So if you wanna if you wanna get mentioned on our cast, if you wanna win my heart, you gotta play black white uh Pakula deck in the deck dump, go five up. So this deck, Delthar here, Creature Sweet, four Dark Confidant, four Stone Forge Mystic, four Todd Hollow Scholar. That's that's fucking smooth, man. Four four four. Just all two drops. Uh four Liliana the Veil and one last hope. Four him to Turax. Four Thoughtseize, one Inquisition, four Lingering Souls, two Vindicate, and four Plows. And then just creatures and equipment that you'd expect to see in this deck. Two Shambling Vents, worth noting. But this is just straight black-white Pakula. I think that it's probably... I love this deck. I want this deck to be good, and I think that there was a time when it might have been good. Uh, Hypothetically, like about six months ago, I was really considering playing this deck. Right now, I, I really don't think I'd be playing this deck, to be honest. I mean, I like having access to two Vindicates, and obviously five turn one discard spells with two hymns is great. But 
and and four scholars, I guess. So there's a lot of discard in this list. But honestly, I think there's probably just somebody who liked playing this deck rather than somebody who picked it up for a reason. Yeah, I sort of disagree to that because if if the okay. if the metagame is full of corn and Narset, then then lingering soul is pretty good because you can. That's a good point, man. This is not a brainstorm deck. And also, dark confidence is one of the few ways where you can draw a card and still not actually draw a card against the Narset. So Stoneforge Mystic, for that matter. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's interesting that we don't see Chrome Mox in this list, because the deck is really like, it's the discard and sorts the plowshares, but it's all twos and threes. So usually you see a Chrome Mox or two to try to speed up the clock a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is very much in on the turn one play just being a Thoughtseize or whatever. And... Yeah, the sideboard is much of what we'd expect. There's two Liliana's Triumph. This is a five Liliana deck, so it actually might make a difference in this deck. And two Combo Console uh, Allocation. I was going to say Allocution, which I don't even know if that's a real word. But yeah, this is, a, this is a cool deck, man. One of the things that I liked about it was how it beats up True Name, but this is really not the meta that we're in anymore, right? At least not online. Obviously, you go to Paper... Right. And it, it seems like everything is a little bit behind, so you're still probably going to see a ton of, like, blue-red true name decks or the blue-white stone blade decks and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, But for it sure. does seem like we've sort of moved out of that phase. And this deck really does what we were talking about with, like, going over uh, a chalice. I mean, if, if they chalice, like, first of all, you have main deck answers to it with two Vindicates. But second of all, all you're really missing... You don't usually want Inquisition of Kozilek against Chalice decks if you don't get a turn one anyway, because you miss a lot. So you're just missing four thought seasons, really. Yeah, you get Chalice on two. If you get Chalice yeah. on two with this deck, though, you are you are shit out of luck. <laughs> oh, there's, there's the Plows as well. On one. Oh, right. Yep. yep. Sorry. Yep, four Plows. But, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and that may or may not be relevant against these Chalice decks, because increasingly we're seeing them move away from creatures, at least... The, the deck dump actually didn't support that because there were several like more Eldr- traditional Eldrazi decks, I would call them. But what I'm seeing in paper is a lot of a lot more Planeswalkers. And then increasingly, if you see creatures, they're Ballista, like a one of Ulamog, and like Thought Not Seers that they're kind of more disruptive, right? It's not it's not so much that like uh Real, I don't know, uh, what's it called? Reality Smasher and Burner Meta that we were in. Yeah, I, I think that all of the new Planeswalkers being printed makes you less reliant on the creatures. Yeah. Uh, and Ballista is sort of like, it's it's a creature, but it's not. So, Marcus, when can we expect to see you streaming uh, Black White? <laughs> Probably never. I, <laughs> like, I find to, try to find the excuses to to play this deck and and i mean the shallow thing is one good point because if if the if the big pull to the blue decks is brainstorm and ponder and you cannot even play them in in the chalice meta game then this is sort of nice but yeah so you have a soft spot in your heart you try to find excuses to play this deck no not really just for (laughs) everyone else that's not as addicted to blue as i am all right, so the real reason we had you on the cast, though, is to discuss the next list. It's uh, Eric Landon 5 Uh Do you have this list up? Uh, yeah, just one second. Here. 
Yep. The You're h- gonna have to help us with this. Yeah. <laughs> we need your combo brain. Okay, so there's a high mind list, and do you know how the combo works? Uh, for our listeners, I guess. Yeah. Explain it. So high mind is uh, is an enchantment for one blue and five colorless. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, each other player copies that spell. Each of those players may choose new targets for his or her copy. Uh, so what you want to do here is to play one of the packs, the green or the the red or the blue one. They all have different text on them. But for this combo, <laughs> the irrelevant part is that if you cannot pay um, the up, what do you say, the upkeep thingy yep. uh you lose the game so you copy a pact and then you pass pass the turn and then your opponent cannot pay for the pact and then they lose so what is it about this deck because i saw uh eric had tweeted earlier in the week that he thought he'd uh broke legacy with a meme deck <laughs> and i wasn't sure if it was this one or the karn deck but this... it was it was this one in was... in one of the chats he was posting his record with it and sending screenshots, and he started off absolutely on fire with this list. Yeah. Gotcha. So this is really just Lake of the Dead ramping into Hivemind. Uh, there's an Ugin the Ineffable in this deck, which uh, colorless spells cost you two less to cast. I don't know, is is that like part of like a, a relevant new addition to this deck? I think, it, well, this... I don't think this deck is uh, existed before and will exist in a week, but <laughs> <laughs> the the Ugin Ineffable is combo with Grimonolith, so you can sort of play them for free. And I have to read a card. <laughs> I'm not sure what it does. Yeah, colorless spells cost two less to cast. It's also just like another six-drop threat that you can ramp into, kind of like playing the Grave Titan role where it's removal and extra okay. uh, sort of manifests off the top. Because yep. the deck is really built to get to six mana quickly and take advantage of that. Yeah. There's probably something I'm missing about this card, but the the plan A, A is the Hive Mind uh, combo, and then plan B, they have Grave Titan as well. So like you mentioned, they have Four Lake of the Dead, which is a land that you can... Uh, use and sacrifice a swamp to add four black mana to your pool and then you can turbo out the great titans um right and the answers to, to both of these combos are vastly different so yeah that's true that's a good point because yeah you the... can always you can always crucible lock somebody as well oh yeah right there's four wasteland and two crucible worlds with four mark mox diamond and four green monolith to accelerate them out so yeah i, I like the there are three different things you can do and that you can lock your opponent out with a chalice as well. Uh, but I don't really see how how you can like adjust your game plan to what what you are up against because you have no way to manipulate your, your deck. So Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that seems like a valid criticism. So I wonder how many 05s Eric did before he 5-0'd <laughs> in, in reality. <laughs> But I, I like I, I like the list. I like to brew. So kudos to Eric for bringing this part. All right. Well, speaking of which, what do you think about Piracy Charm and Dreadhorde Arcanist? Because uh, he was 
he was the first one that I saw uh, post a list so, uh, with, utilizing that sort of combination of cards. And we actually see a 5-0 list for Mental Misstep, which is a Grixis Delver list with four Dreadhorde Arcanist. And this deck only has uh, one Piracy Charm. It also has one Abrade, which I believe uh, Eric had foregone in his list. But Piracy Charm, for, for listeners who don't know, it's a color-shifted funeral charm. It can make your opponent discard a card of their choice, or it can pump a creature up to uh, give it uh, plus two power, or it can also uh, give a creature island block, which is probably a lot less relevant. But it, it does sort of combo with Arcanist in that if they have two cards in hand, you can make them discard and attack and make them discard again. Or it can pump up the Arcanist's power to let it flash back a card with uh, two or three mana cost. Yeah, so looking at this list, and it, you can flash back an instant of sorcery, convert to mana cost, cost less or equal. Yeah. So I don't really, there's nothing in the main deck at yeah. least. Yeah, it's not really taking advantage, just one braid, right? Yeah. The list that Eric was playing had two Angrass Rampage in the main. And this deck has two Abrade and an Angrass Rampage in the sideboard. But yeah, not really taking advantage of the card as much as you'd think, right? Yeah. So, I, I'm going to be honest. What do you think of I, I, don't really, I, had, I have seen the card, and I think I countered it once, and I plowed it once, but I don't think I read it until just now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I guess I could be probably as wrong as possible about this card, but be based on the number of people who are excited about it and the number of people who are playing it right now. And like uh, Robert Wilson, who um, I, I guess I'm look, looking forward to meeting in Atlanta, uh, one of the dudes in our Discord, he is super high on this card in Grixis and in Blue Red. And we've had a lot of discussions about it. And I, I'm still like really on the fence about this card, but I, I do want to try it at this point just to see if I'm missing something about it. Now, are you really excited to meet him because you forgot meeting him last time? Yeah, I, I honestly have no idea what he looks like. Yeah, I do know he bought me a beer though, so I gotta thank him for that. I do, I do want to let everybody know that he did. Ian didn't need it. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Tom, do you have anything? You, we haven't heard your input on this deck yet. Yeah, I'm. I'm, dying I'm, to hear. I'm so super not sold on Arcanist too, and like you, I'm open to be wrong, but. It it doesn't feel like it's the card that needs to push this archetype over the top. Right. And I I know that it does give a lot of extra value if you're able to clear the way. But on the front side, it just seems so so underwhelming, right? Like it's a two drop one three that you need to be able to attack with to get to get a benefit from. So I, I mean I hope I'm wrong. I'm hope I hope all of the people that are working on this find a way to really make it worthwhile, but right now I don't I don't know if it is where I want to be. Yeah, I'm I'm more interested. There's a couple decks. First of all, there's uh Nasty Nate's working on this uh sort of like Mardu mentor arcanist list that's sort of just like flashing back those the crazy cards you expect to see in black, white, red legacy deck. Uh, that seemed that seemed kind of cool. Somebody in our Discord was talking about a a zoo ish deck. Yes. with this card, right. and we haven't seen zoo since like twenty twenty eleven, like the last Grand Prix 
Atlanta, whenever that was, 20, 2012, maybe 2013. But anything that could make an archetype like that sort of sort of start to come back would be would be great in my mind. Yeah, there's a lot of ways between Invigorate, Become Immense, and Berserk where you could kind of play like an Infect deck with this card, specifically. Uh, play like a Zoo deck that can pretty consistently uh, turn three with, with some combination of those cards. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. But also, I wanted to mention Burn. I, I hadn't considered this card at all in Burn because it, it sort of doesn't seem like it's what it needs to me. But I hadn't really considered, you know, if people are willing to play light up the stage to draw two cards because they feel like, you know, the number of cards they're getting rather than their speed is relevant. This card seems like a pretty good inclusion too, right? Because you you have access to basically an unlimited number of cards because you're you're destined to have bolts in your sideboard, right? And you're not getting you're not getting value out of your graveyard any other way unless you're playing Lava Mancer. But that's not too much tension, I would say, not to consider this card. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something I saw that I didn't hate. So I think that's uh, I think this uh, the the blue red uh, well Grixis actually could be the place for it. But this version with Days and Delver, I think it's sort of like the the um, this new card or whatever. What was it called? <laughs> Dreadhor Arcanist. Arcanist. Yeah, sort of invites to grind and go mid range, and the burn decks and Delver decks and Days, all of that trade to go under your opponent. So when you lose to that deck, more often than not, you have cards in hand. So Darkness is sort of a card advantage engine slowing the game down and then then unlock your opponent's hand instead of go under them. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So this next deck actually is, is pretty fucking wild. Uh, this is FGC. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to read this deck, because I, I have no idea. Do you, you guys have any idea what you would call this deck? Francis Fun. <laughs> For Francis? Yeah. There's a friend of mine. We are, we're in this blue chat, and we try to overdurl one another. and <laughs> He clearly had a good list here. Yeah, man. So I'm just going to read it. Four Narset Parter of Veils. Two Sahili Sublime Artificer. So six Planeswalkers. Three Snapcasters and two Clicks. Four Ponders, three Preordains, one Whip Flare, and one Day's Undoing. So Whip Flare is uh, two damage to each non-artifact creature. So it's a nice, pretty nice, plays pretty well with Sahili. And then four Brainstorms, four Force of Will, four Lightning Bolt, two Spell Pierce, one Spell Snare, one Flusterstorm, one Abrade, and one Harvest Pyre, which is an instant from Innistrad, one in a red. As additional cost to cast Harvest Pyre, exile X cards from your graveyard, deal X damage to target creature. Two back to basics and one Anvil of Bogardan, which is a two-mana artifact from Visions where each player skips his or her discard phase. And during each player's draw phase, that player draws an additional card and then chooses and discards a card. So it's another of these Gaia Reach Sanitarium effects with Narset. What's going on, man? (laughs) It's almost like somebody took Blue Moon and took out the Blood Moons and threw in all these other cards. Yeah, yep. The the creature suite, certainly, and the spells, yeah. Marcus, do you have any reason that you might play this deck? Yeah, it looks fun. And you draw a lot of cards with Days Undoing. It it seems like somebody started with the premise of I want to play Narset and Sahili, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it has some legs. Uh, the the 
traditional problem with blue red is uh, Marit uh, Lage, Lage, what have you in English, and and true name nemesis. <laughs> um, yeah. So there hasn't really been a good place for blue red, but if those cards are aren't seeing as much play, I don't think you are all that punished for not having fatal push and source of plowshares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Tom, that's interesting what you said about about Blood Moon because this is this deck is playing two back to basics and it has six islands and two mountains and just two volcanics, so it could just play Blood Moon, right? Yeah, it, it definitely could. Yeah, and I kind of think that maybe it should if we're talking about like the, you know the Merit Age weakness and all the the post decks playing all these mana rocks now. Well, if the post decks play Karn, you cannot really get them with Blood Moon. Right. Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So. Good point. Yeah, I don't know. He, so he's been playing this for a, a few more leagues. So I don't really know the latest list, but there were some nice things. Like Vendelian Click and Narset is also one of those gotcha cards. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm all about that. And actually, uh, the last list I wanted to discuss, uh, Ken D. Amoroso with uh, Asper Blade with uh two Teferi Time Ravelers in it. This isn't uh, a Narset deck like I was kind of kind of been thinking about with regard to Esper Blade, but I wanted to point this out just because I've had we've had people asking us about, you know, what what they think that the best uh the best Esper Blade list is right now. And I just wanted to point out that one and five oh this week and it, it's uh four uh Stoneforge, two Strix, three Snapcaster, two True Name, two Jace, two Teferi. And then four one-man discard spells with three ponders and a council's judgment to take advantage of the Teferi instant speed. And a counterspell suite similar to what we've seen before, but they have one hard counterspell now. And yeah, I just wanted to point out that this can technically still 5-0 in this meta, I guess. So I have some input about that. I think when we first saw Teferi, we saw it as an answer to Chalice, and it, it very well might be. Uh, but in order to generate advantage, you kind of want something of your own to bounce. And this list has a lot. So you can play Teferi and then you bounce your Strix. And then you get two cards yeah. out of it right away. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. That That's a great point. And same, the same goes for Stoneforge and Snapcaster. So you really have nine cards that, that you can sort of two for zero with Teferi, right? Yeah, and and also, uh, it's just so neat that you can bounce your own Snapcaster, which is not a play that most people have uh, in on their in their mind because of uh, removal spells. But with Teferi in play, they cannot respawn and kill it, so you always get that value. Oh, that's a great point, man. Yeah, I've, I've been completely surprised at how often the minus three on your own permanent has come up. And when I originally saw this card, that was something that absolutely never crossed my mind at all. Yeah, the, the not being able to get blown out by removal there is something that I totally miss. So I like that even more now. There are a couple curious things about this deck, uh, starting with, I'd say, Creeping Tar Pit right now. That seems like a pretty big liability, but... Yeah, Creeping Tar Pit, 20 land, no wasteland. Like... I, I can get behind 20 land no wasteland because it has brainstorm and ponders, but I'm not sold on the mana base uh, with with what this deck is trying to do. Yeah, no, I feel that. I, I'm not I'm not willing to say that I think that this is like 
the the optimal Esper Blade list right now. But I, I, I do like that there's other people out there trying it right now. It's encouraging. Yep. Now, usually when I see the deck dump, I'm like, fuck all these decks. <laughs> we'll talk about the ones that Ian wants to talk about, and then that's pretty much it. <laughs> but we, uh, we had another another version of the blue white omnitel deck pop up as well oh so man very very similar to the one that we talked about last week with uh narset and teferi along with uh mentor on the sideboard well did the last so, one have narset though no i think the Nar- the last one just had teferi right yeah maybe, maybe it had a one of narset but this is uh basically just like tap out three drops where you have so many three drops that you you kind of need to interact with that it, it seems like this would be really fun to play. Uh, I don't know about that. So show and tell part is always fun for like 10, <laughs> ten seconds. <laughs> right, but when you I'll are the you. show and tell player, right? Like, you are having fun. It's not fun to play against. I'm, I'm not, not saying that this is the... I'm yeah. not sure. I, even, I played a similar list, but I tried to include some spice, and I still didn't enjoy it. I had uh, Teferi and Days Undoing, so... My game plan there was to end of turn, show and tell, put Demnitions into play, uh, with the Teferi in play. So then you just uh, chain Days Undoing, and the clause on Days Undoing that you end of turn only works during your turn. So you just draw seven, draw seven, draw seven, and then you <laughs> <laughs> kill them with the Cunning Wish combo, as usual. That that was that that is definitely way spicier than I than I have ever been for yeah. sure. That that. That does seem. More I did fun. draw like forty right. cards and and had to pass the turn and they killed me. So I'm not gonna. It's it's not all that great, <laughs> but it was fun. I like how when Marcus when Marcus talks about drawing twenty cards, he just says it matter of factly. But when it's forty cards, he gets excited. Well, <laughs> in this list, Magic Magic Online should have like achievements. Like <laughs> drawing forty cards should get you a trophy of some type. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have wild. a funny story about that, and and uh, comes back to the clicking thing, I guess. Um, me and my friend, we we played a league, and it was late, and we had a couple of beers, and we we went off, and <laughs> opponent did not scoop, so we figured, well, how much mana can we get? And we manually <laughs> got up to a thousand mana. <laughs> Whoa! And then we killed them, and we shared, and there was like three minutes left, and then it was like. Enter sideboarding for game two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, a thousand mana. So was this was this just like uh the similar to the high tide list you're playing now, or was it a little different? I can't allow this. Uh, I think I had Candelabras back then before yeah. predict, but I did not have the like the cap size version where you can go infinite, and you can just bounce your Candelabras with enough high tides in play. Right. So my yeah. islands tapped for like sixteen or something in the end. Uh, every nice. time I tap like a land, yeah. I, my, I was afraid that my old computer is gonna crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely limits that you have to know when you're playing something crazy, like uh, the number of permanents you could have on the board before it crashes, that sort of thing. But with mana, the number, I, I was the number aware. of bonus rounds that you can have active yeah. in a turn. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that about finishes it up for the deck dump. Unless there's something you guys want to talk about. Yeah, uh, Karn is, is good, and I expect to see more of it in a lot of decks. But what I haven't found out yet is, is a good way to beat it. Everyone's trying Karn, so that's something we can keep an eye out for. 
That's a great question, man. Like, like the the best way to beat it. I mean, obviously, one thing that's nice about it is you can't it can't come off a cavern or a vial, right? So you do have like just straight counter spells that aren't locked out. Yeah. And it is pierceable. I think, I think uh, Phyrexian Revoker is a fairly solid way to attack the decks that have been playing Karn, where obviously cards like Back to Basics help against the like the bigger versions, but a lot of the Karn decks we're seeing now are kind of super low to the ground. Like the the sort of postish deck that tops out at the six cost Ugin, um, the what is it, Bomberman style white artifact build. But Revoker is a card that has sort of been shaved and shaved from Death and Taxes shells. And I think Death and Taxes with Revoker is a pretty good way of attacking that. Because not only can you just shut down Karn, but you can hit their mana rocks and disrupt their mana. And early, Thalia is still a pain in the ass for that deck to deal with. I like that thought, yeah. Yeah. Someone suggested Nulred earlier, and that can also help against if they accelerate it with uh, mono rocks, like you mentioned. Yeah, it definitely comes in against them. But like, if you're not backing up with something like Wasteland or Back to Basics, it's not always enough, right? Because sometimes they just totally sidestep it. Yeah. It does seem like they're going up, though, on this Voltaic Key Mana Rock plan. On the other hand, the, the Bomberman deck you mentioned, they have monastery mentor so if you go all in on the car they you they just attack for 20 turn three or four so i'm a bit worried about that that, list. that is definitely true yeah you're worried about that list legitimately yeah i think um, max gilmore wrote on, on this on his uh, on the blog about the deck and julian i think streamed it a couple of days ago or maybe it was yesterday and said it was insane and it looked insane too like if the plan a did not come together they the plan b just was delivered and they won turn three anyways yeah yeah that, that's that's uh fair all right so is if that's uh if that's all we have do you wanna do you wanna plug your stream again marcus and talk about when you uh when you're usually streaming um yeah it's twitch.tv slash truckies123 and i stream like twice a month so <laughs> i i post on twitter when i go online i think yeah, what's your Twitter handle? So that's truckies123. Alright, we've got a theme here. Yeah. And if you're interested in High Tide and Blue Nonsense, you can message me on Discord or Facebook or Twitter or what have you. So Tom, if you want if people want to get in touch with you to discuss episode six of Game of Thrones, how should they do that? You can get in touch with me at T MTG on Twitter. And you can get in touch with the cast at Dead Format Cast. I, I didn't have any witty comeback to the to the Game of Thrones thing. I'm ready to be disappointed tonight. <laughs> D- disappointed. I, I, yeah. I actually not. I shouldn't laugh. I'm ready to be disappointed as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, if you want, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's uh, at ian eighteen one twenty five. Uh, you can email the cast at formatcast at gmail dot com. I this was a great episode. I wanted to thank our our first Viking guest, uh, Marcus. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. You've been you've been like a fan of our podcast from early on too, and we appreciate that, man. Yeah, thanks a lot for uh, all the nice content I can consume at work. I mean, during my spare time, and uh, <laughs> keep on doing it. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. It was, 
it was awesome to actually get a chance to talk to you. I know that I, I followed you on Twitter for a while and we've talked when we played on Moto a few times, but just hearing, hearing about how it, every time I talk to somebody that's like really passionate about a deck, it makes me want to go play that deck. <laughs> so I, I, at one point am going to sleeve up high tide and I'll be thinking about this cast. See, I think about it the opposite way, man. I just want to, I just want to know how to beat it. That's all. <laughs> I'm glad, glad I can spread a uh, blue love. All right, man, that's a wrap. <laughs>